Young podcast for the 80s television show Scarecrow and Mrs. King. I'm joined by all of the original Mrs. King's Chronicles ladies, Miranda Thomas, Jen Peterson, and Taya Johnston, and I'm, of course, Lexi Bima. Today we are talking about the final episode today, which for us in a revised lineup is suitable for framing, um, so that's season four, episode 22. It originally aired on May 14th, 1987, and it was both filmed and shown 20th out of 22. And Taya, I don't remember, why did we pull it out of order this way? There's a few poignant moments in this that tie back to the original, to the pilot. Mm -hmm. And it seemed, I hated the fact that, this is more of a personal opinion on this one, but I hated that the show ended with them fighting. It just... Mm -hmm. It, they didn't fight all that much, you know, on the show. And then to have it be like, you know, they're like in this big argument and stuff, little petty things, but it turned out to be, you know, a bigger thing. It just, that always irked me. And then there's, I'll point out uh, throughout the episode, there's a, there's a few moments where um, it kind of, the obvious is the full circle of what was supposed to have happened if Kate hadn't gotten sick was that this was going to be Amanda going through the same thing that being put in the same position that Lee was put in where she's got to make a quick decision to get the, the secret information into say, you know, to keep it safe and she has to rely on a stranger. Right. So the original script was called Amanda Redux and it, it brought it full circle, right. From the pilot to, to the end. And it's, there's also a couple little, little things that pop up and I'll explain when they, when they pop up, um, that really make it seem like a a fitting, I always thought it was more of a fitting ending than, than what we got. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, it's kind of like pick your poison. They're either fighting at the end or they're not together at all. Like there's no, there's a presumption that they're together. We just don't see it. Right. Yeah. At least she's hot for her beef. Wellington. Um, you know, <laughs> I, love, I love your pause there. The timing was beautiful. <laughs> yes, yeah. Okay, well, that's yeah. because when, when I was looking at this, I was like, I know that there's a method. I know we've talked about it before, yes. um, but that totally makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm glad I asked the question. Okay, good. Too. Okay, you. good. Yep. So the director for Suitable for Framing was Harvey S. Laidman, who we've spoken about several times before. I'll just briefly mention um, that he has 52 overall directing credits, and he directed 10 episodes of Scarecrow and Mrs. King, starting with A Lovely Little Affair. And this is his last one, obviously. The writer we've also spoken about before, Whitney Werrett Robertson. Um, she had only three total writing credits, but she wrote four Scarecrow and Mrs. King episodes. The first one was We're Off to See the Wizard. And of course, again, this is the last one suitable for framing. As far as guest stars, the first one I'll mention is Leslie Woods. She had 83 acting credits and she plays stamps in Suitable for Framing. She was born August 22nd, 1910 in Berwick, Iowa. And for some fun facts, she's a Leo and has 83 total acting credits. Um, she is potentially most well known for playing Mrs. Miller in Falcon Crest for 15 episodes. And she was also in the 60s drama, A Flame in the Wind, as the character Miriam Bentley for 342 episodes. Um, Obviously, I never heard about this, so I looked it up. And it was a drama centered in the town of Haviland with the focus on the Farrell Reynolds and Scraba Driscoll families. Anyway, a fellow citizen there wrote a book 
about the flawed characters and it sounded like an interesting drama overall. Some other notable works include The A-Team, Dear Detective, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, and many more. Her last acting credit was in The Bold and the Beautiful as Grandma Helen Hogan for 56 episodes from 1987 to 2001. And she unfortunately passed away August 2nd, 2003, at the ripe old age of 92 in L.A. The next actor I'll talk about is John Allen Nelson. He had 56 total acting credits, and in this episode, he played Brian, a.k.a. Misha Dubinsky. He was born August 28, 1959 in San Antonio, Texas. And for some fun facts... You definitely can tell that he embellished his own IMDb page. Just wait. So he's a Virgo, and he has been married twice. His first wife, I believe, is Swedish, and uh, both of his only two children live with the mother in Sweden. Um, he's the founding member of an acting workshop in New York City, and one of his closest friends was the one-time number one golfer, Annika Sorenstam. He married someone named Justine Eyre, that's his second marriage, and get this, he proposed over a candlelit Scrabble game just before Christmas 2006. And in September 2007, he wed Justine Eyre in a magical four-day celebration with family and friends at Chateau Farchby, just outside Paris, France. Just lovely. You can just picture it. Anyway, he's had several notable works throughout his career. He was in the TV show 24 as Walt Cummings for 11 episodes, in Sheena as the character Matt Cutter for 35 episodes, and in Baywatch as John D. Court for 14 episodes. Other interesting roles on some popular shows include The Edge of Night, Santa Barbara, Hunter for Jen, of course, Perry Mason, Quantum Leap, Matt Locke, uh, Burn Notice, NCIS, Crisis, and Rizzoli and Isles. He also, for, for me and for those of us that like Friends, he, believe it or not, played Paul the Wine Guy in the very first episode, the one where Monica gets a roommate. He is potentially still active. The last credit on IMDb for him was Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for three episodes as Silas Brunch in 2016 and 2017. I do also just want to briefly mention the actor Michael Fairman. He played Sergei in this episode, but also played Dr. Theodore Glazier back in season one, episode three, If Thoughts Could Kill. And that's what I've got for the final guest stars for Mrs. King's Chronicles. Is that what you, was that all on his IMDb page in terms of, yeah. he had written all of this like. That's sure ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> You can always tell when they've done that, you know, that's like yeah. so detailed and so intimate, uh, intimate knowledge, you know. Which is really. funny because he is a Virgo. That's like definitely a Virgo trait. Oh, really? Obsessive, obsessive about details and huh. um, just fixated on things. Yeah, so. yeah. Normally, we don't have that wealth of material for which to speak. Oh, our guest On the random, there's random ones where you're like, dang, man, that's a lot of information. In fact, sometimes we're like, who is this person? I can't even find a picture. I can't even find a date of birth. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's others that are like pages. This episode was a little weird in IMDb, too. It was like um, this one and Magic Bus got some of their guest stars mixed up because they were credited oh. on it. And I feel like I remember us talking about that, again, five years ago, randomly. So, uh, But they weren't in it. It was like Carol Lippin, and there was like the senator for Magic Bus. And I was like, they were definitely not in this episode. Yeah, that's funny. So, yeah, yeah I weird. do remember that. I, yeah. Huh. I don't remember it. <laughs> 
Anyway, good old John Allen. Oh, those first couple podcasts. I'd really like to go back and listen to some of those. <laughs> when cornered by Soviet agents, Francine's decision to hand off sensitive material to a civilian plays into a Russian trap that may cost her and Lee their agency jobs. Wow, I'm impressed. That was really good. Way to, way to save it up for the end, man. <laughs> it was really good, though. I think that's the best one we've ever had. Like the whole, <laughs> all like 88 episodes. You saved the best for last, kid. Good job. Like one succinct sentence. We're getting good at this stuff now. We should just keep going. Just move on. Oh, no, we're done. We're, d- I, I was, I was editing um, um, Greg's interview you know, portion. And he's like, so you guys should just keep doing this. Why are you guys going to stop? And we're all like, oh, we're done. He's like, no, you know, we're like, there's nothing left to talk about. He goes, you don't have to talk about the show. Just talk about everything. He goes, I love hearing all this stuff, you know? And, uh, and it's like, we're all like, no, no, we're done. <laughs> we're like, so over this. <laughs> it's been yeah, so much work. There was yeah. this funny. We were all like, and he's like, no, you should keep going. And we're like, no. So, We are fortunate to have the script before Amanda had to be cut out out of like 99.9% of it. uh, And it's titled Amanda Redux, but it is for suitable for framing. So we will be able to speak quite a bit on what it would have been, which is, I think, way more interesting than what is. So I think we'll probably spend more time on that than we will the actual episode if we're all happy with that. My point on this is, yes, we have the script that is before all the cuts and all the edits, but I don't have an exact time frame of when this was written. It's just uh, the copy I have is just literally says Amanda Redux Act 1, and then it, and then in parentheses it says suitable for framing. So I have no idea when this was, like if this is a, you know, draft or if it's, I don't know, shooting or whatever. Yeah. So, because the other ones were sort of reworked from. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing on the script that tells me anything uh, as far as the date. So I have no idea. That's the that's the annoying part. But the cool part is that it's not just a you know shooting final where it's almost identical to what we get, which Uh is cool, you know. But at the same time, it's it's like you don't know when it was actually done. I would imagine sometime in um, like January it would be the latest because they would have known by then. Um, because the other ones were redone at that point. So they would have known they'd have to re- redo this one too. So I would wager it would probably be sometime in January of 87. Best guess. Yeah, based, based on the actual typing, it looks really old. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 87. Yeah, it's definitely. No, no. Compared to other scripts, even, it looks oh. weird. Oh, well, it's it's later than any, in, you know, 90% of the ones that we've seen. To up to this point, at least 95% probably. Anyways, okay, we'll get into it. So the episode opens and we're in Moscow. We're supposed to be in Moscow here. And they do have the old cars and such. So they're making an effort at least. They've had a few episodes like that start like this where, you know, we're supposed to be leave. This is like in the Kremlin and all the men are getting, you know, are, are, uh, around a, a conference table and they're very frustrated that once again the Americans are are getting you know ahead of them and things like that you know kind of like with all the world's a stage when that that episode opens they're all you know frustrated and and then yeah. um, also the other one is bad timing was also like that where you know they're they're 
always behind the Americans and all this. It's just, it's kind of like a, through a lens of an American writing about Russia. You know, it's just kind of funny. Yeah. They don't like to be behind. No, they don't. And they actually mentioned, you know, like they're reading the U.S. News and World Report, you know, and, and getting information, intel from that. It's kind of funny. I have to say Dr. Glacier's um, accent's pretty, pretty good for the fact that we know he's not Russian at all. <laughs> believable yeah sure. it's pretty believable so glazier <laughs> i'm gonna have to call him glazier what's his name sergey thank you okay so sergey aka dr glazer and he gets up and says he has a plan and he gives uh the other gentleman a dossier and he says a gift to the americans and he starts reading and then he's kind of like hmm okay like he's intrigued <laughs> And then he kind of laughs and he says, the Trojan horse. And they're all just like nodding their heads. And who will deliver this gift? Sergei gives a photo and it's lovely Francine, which was from, I think that was from uh, the, it's in the water episode when she was at the school. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's what that was from. But she looks cute. Like a little uh, university chick. Yeah. That was Chernoff, the, the main guy with the, the funky the yeah the one with the funky hair did you see him his hair was like oh really <laughs> you were entranced by his eyes <laughs> yeah. yeah his hair was kind of like fly away it was a little weird um so that was churn off and then uh obviously sergey aka dr glazer so now we're at the agency and billy's handing out uh files amanda's not there so one could say okay one could argue that oh this is a senior staff meeting and that's why she's not there perhaps but we all know why she's not there uh and lee's in there and francine's uh in there in her candy cane shirt and that one woman oh that one woman's in there at the bottom left of the screen she's the one who kept having the horrible um she was standing in line in front of Amanda when they, she was trying to get her check fixed oh, really? in the triumvirate yeah. and she kept rolling her eyes and she, you know, she was just like over the top acting. That's her. Oh, <laughs> That's funny. Anyways, yeah, they're, the same back. yeah, they, they do. <laughs> they probably, you know, they probably just have a list, you know, they've already got them run through, you know, good for them though. You get extra money, I guess. Yeah. I'm surprised they asked her back after her overacting. <laughs> Uh, so Lee is going bantering back and forth with Billy. They're talking about the Russians and he's saying, uh, this, this one must be an A1 priority action. Francine says that they've never had luck with, he springs an average of one of the uh, major propaganda on the U.S. every year. And this one must be an A1 priority action. She says, we've never had much luck with him cracking any of his schemes, but in the script, she says, we've never had much luck cracking any of Chernov's nuts. <laughs> like oh okay I that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like couldn't get either one of them you couldn't crack either one what like what the heck <laughs> apparently not Everyone from the White House down wants to lasso this Trojan horse of his. So they've given us the rope. Francine, do an eyes and ears scan of every diplomatic watering hole in town. Nahum, run through the tapes. Lee, you're on the 1045 to New York with me tonight. 
our Soviet contact at the UN says he wants something he might want to share with us. It's definitely worth the airfare. And then he says, get on it. No, I guess he doesn't. But I swear he said something like that. Yeah, I think they did take that out. I don't know, but I thought it was funny in this script. Yeah. <laughs> they probably are like, he doesn't use hair dye. Hair dye and nuts to crack. Yeah. So, so Lee's now not happy. He like, as soon as he says that he's got to go on a, a, take a flight to New York with him, he's like trying to squirm his way out of it. He obviously has plans and we can all, always uh, make an assumption of why he wants to get out of them. But we know it has something to do with, uh, is it Chateaubriand? No, it was, um, what's the other one? Beef Wellington. He's got the Beef Wellington at home he wants to get home to. And, oh, and Amanda. <laughs> Not that we'll see her, but Billy calls him out, which I love this. He, like, uh, the last few episodes, he's, like, really been needling him, you know, <laughs> saying, uh, he goes, there was a time I couldn't, when I couldn't keep you out of New York. What were their names? The Yorgaleski sisters? He goes, I made some very important plans for this evening. Well, you've broken plenty of those. He goes, this is different. He goes, so I noticed. <laughs> I think that's cute. He knows it's Amanda. Oh, he totally does. Quit it, Billy. <laughs> so then, of course, he comes home to a pitch dark apartment and calls out for Amanda and she's not there. It's like they're they're purposely like mentioning her name so that we kind of, it tricks us into thinking she's in the episode when she clearly is not in this episode for more than like two minutes. Which is frustrating. Phone calls that help with that. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't even see, they're not even, they're just voiceovers. You don't even see her. You know, it, know. it'd be one thing if you got, they like cut, you know, cut the screen in half and you got to see both of them. You don't even get that. Right. Which I get why. It's just sad. Yeah. It is sad. Yeah. It really is. But he comes into his apartment and he finds a note and it uh, tells him to call her at home. You'd think he'd have her on speed dial. He calls her at home and says he just got in. Amanda, it's me. Hi, you home? Yeah, I just got in. Good. I'll feed the boys and I'll be right over. Uh, Amanda, listen. Everything's on low in the oven. Beef Wellington. Amanda, stop. I have to fly to New York with Billy tonight for 36 hours of Q&A with the FBI and a gaggle of Soviet shadows. Sounds pretty important. Yeah, it could be. Sasha Chernov has got something cooking on the stove, something codenamed Trojan Horse. Oh, and I love Beef Wellington, too. I don't want it cold. I want it hot tonight with my wife. Damn it, Amanda, we have not had an uninterrupted weekend since we've been married. We are lucky to get a night now and then. We knew it would be hard for a while. We do spend a lot of time together at work. Yeah, well, work is torture. You know what it's like watching you across the room when all I really want to do is... When do you leave? An hour. I'll be over there in ten minutes. The evening won't be a complete loss. Which, you know, it's one thing if your spouse, it's their work that's interfering and you're like, you understand, but it's hard to under, truly understand because you aren't a part of it, but she's part, a part of it. And so she gets it. Yeah. Well, and also most people's spouses don't work as spies for the government. <laughs> they don't? <laughs> what? You've just blown my whole, my whole brain just blew up. I didn't mean to blow Lane's cover. <laughs> Actually, in like two, yeah, I'm the spy. No, I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, I think Lane would because I can't keep, uh, you know, I could, I'd have to tell somebody. I'm pretty good at keeping secrets, but not that good. (laughs) 
he he will die before he tells anything you know he doesn't even tell me things he's supposed to tell me so i think he would be the key one (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's so funny lee is very remorseful that he has to go but amanda's totally understanding of it it's not like she's there anyways He's, he's kind of filling her in, which I'm surprised. Like, they usually don't say that much over the phones, over the phone much. So I can't imagine they would have want that out there. And he goes, oh, and I love Beef Wellington, too. Alexi, right. <laughs> is that your, you think that's innuendo for something else? Or do you think he really just loves Beef Wellington? Well, it's more like, I want, what did he just say? I want it. I, I want, want it. Something like that. Like, that is so <laughs> She goes, yeah, she goes, don't worry. It's good cold, too. He goes, I don't want it cold. I want it hot tonight with my wife. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like it's specifically mentioned that it's beef wellington right before that they sneak it in under that way thing you know like oh scandal like if your mom had walked in yes oh my god what it's going to be like it's about beef wellington no it's not yeah well that aside a man has his favorite meal and gets some with his wife it's a pretty good night yes well yes Yes, and that you only saw her at the house. Yeah, like because here still, there's just no rationale. Yeah, no reasoning behind it. And again, you guys watching it live back then, you'd just be like, "Where the hell is Amanda?" Mm -hmm. I wish they would have just given some sort of reasonable backstory, which they could have easily done. I I have a feeling they didn't even, she didn't want anything even acknowledged that she wasn't there. You know what I mean? I kind of get that sense, totally reading into it, but I, I really get that sense like it's, she didn't want any acknowledgement that anything was different. And it could be, you know, that it was episode by episode. Like, are you going to be here this yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, it's a game time decision of, no, I'm not going to be able to make it. Yeah, like, that right could now. be too. Like, right yeah, that could know. be too, Lex. Mm. Ah, what a shitty timing for everything. I know. He goes, yeah, well, work is torture. <laughs> you know what it's like watching you across the room when all I really want to do is, <laughs> oh, come on, let him finish that sentence, Amanda. Well, Goodness. Well, you know, he didn't probably get much of a honeymoon because the suppose, you know, what presumably is uh, the next day after they got married, they were in California and she gets shot. So they really didn't get much of a a fun time. And not to mention the lady who would not leave the room. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. They've been cock-blocking ever since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to go. Our last one, we're going down to the gutter as far as we can go, man. This is it. We got to pack it all in here to this this one night last time here. It sounds like she could have been waiting for him in the bedroom. I know. Like, what the heck? She's got to take care of the boys, man. She's got to take care of his boys, too, Miranda. You know what happens? The whole blue issue. <laughs> Maybe she could ride in the back seat with him and put Billy up front and she can, you know, service him. Or <laughs> Poor guy. Poor her. But I like it. She goes, when do you leave? And he goes, an hour. She goes, I'll be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> the evening will be a complete loss. 
<laughs> you go, girl. Even though we know she's not really, but we can pretend she is. <laughs> we get a cool view of the Lincoln Memorial, though. That's kind of cool. So the next morning, Lee is now off to New York with Billy. And Amanda's in the, the Q Bureau at Lee's desk. I like that blush color. You know I do. I have a, a one like that. But she looks pretty, I think. Her hair, her hair is so much straighter and so much darker, I think. I don't think it's her hair. I don't think it is either. I think at least there's a piece of it that's not, you know. Yeah. But she looks, I think she looks good. But she looks, Mm -hmm. you know what it is? Like, everything looks sharper. Like, her jawline, her her nose looks sharper. Everything, it's like she's lost weight and it's just everything's more Mm -hmm. pronounced. Yeah. You think so too, or... Because yeah. it has her hair up, so that could be doing it as well. But yeah, yeah maybe. It's just like her her lips look thinner, her nose looks sharper. I don't know. It just looks she just doesn't. She's not up to her normal. Um, you know, well, given the situation. It's no, like, of course, of course. Surprising. Yeah, yeah. She didn't but, have much to lose either to begin with. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Small changes. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's what I'm thinking. It just uh, things seem a little sharper, like. Her wrist looks smaller. You know what I mean? Everything just looks like like she's just lost some weight too. Which I'm sure she, just the stress alone during that time would do it. Yeah. Let alone probably being sick from all the treatments and stuff like that. But I do like the blush. I think that looks really pretty. Mm-hmm. So she answers the phone and it's one of Lee's family. And he's wanting to talk to Lee, but she tells him that he's in New York, which I'm surprised. Again, there's like extra details that I don't know if she would, they would normally, you shouldn't share that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Like what if that's really not one of his family members, you know? Right. And now they've just, they've just given that person information that he's in New York. I mean, yeah, New York's a big city and all that, but still. My point was that I think she gives a little bit too much information to somebody she doesn't even know uh, about the whereabouts of her partner slash husband. Just seems a little, I don't know, out of the norm. Character. Yeah, out of character. Thank you. And Francine uh, is his this guy's backup. He wants to talk to Francine, so she says she'll transfer him. So that that. That uh, takes care of uh, Amanda vision for a good chunk of the episode now. Glad uh, we got to see her for a sec. Right. Because pretty much everything else is going to be off camera. Do you remember those billboards, you guys, where they actually had like smoke coming out? No, but that's You don't? No, I don't remember that. Miranda, do you remember those? Uh, like we had some, but there weren't very many around here. Yeah, definitely. I just remember seeing them in movies and things like that. Like, oh yeah, I saw the movies. Yeah, we had, we had back in that time. One here. Really? I, I don't remember. I, I can't remember if there were any, like where I, I saw them little, live. I feel like I was like six or seven, but there it was along seventy-five. That's funny. <laughs> they used to advertise the hell out of those cigarettes. Like every magazine you would, it was like a guarantee that the back of the magazine had like a Marlboro ad or, uh-huh. or, or what, well, I don't even know what another brand, but you know, another one like that. Virginia Slim. Oh, there you go. Those were the women versions. That's what my grandma used to smoke. Really? Virginia Slims. Yeah. Wow. I can't even picture my grandma smoking. <laughs> I'm sure they did back when they were younger, but they definitely didn't when they were, when I was a kid. 
so we're in New York here at this point. And it's so, it's kind of, it's really cheesy. They have like Lee and Billy in the back of a car and it's all like green screen before green screen was a thing. And, and this conversation drives me nuts. I know where they're both talking at the same time. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Stop it. I want to know how they had two car phones in the car at one time. They probably have them in their briefcases. You need a briefcase phones? Maybe. It'd have to be, know. or that vehicle has two phones in it, which is fancy, fancy. <laughs> I know, right? That's what I was thinking. Fancy car. Yeah. We're led to believe that Lee is talking with Francine. She's talked to, is it Andropolis? So Andropolis is from Greece. That'll play into a lot of this in the script part, because they want to tie in the whole Trojan horse thing, you know, with all that. I th- I think that was my... So- thought on this yeah that's that's my take on it but yeah they're like both going back and forth and you're like trying to listen to one conversation but it doesn't make sense because you're overhearing the other conversation so yeah it's a little uh confusing but he's telling francine to go ahead with it with the meat but be careful and uh and then he 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 goes okay go for it and he goes remember if there's any trouble you you cut and run okay and then he hangs up and then he explains it to billy and then billy says so Andropolis is only going to be in the U.S. until midnight. Um, it's Zulu orange priority. We, we've only heard of like Zulu blue and Zulu orange, I think, at this point. And he's got to pass the information before midnight, um, before he leaves. So Francine's got to take it because Lee's tied up. He's got something to do with Trojan horse. He goes, how will we handle the exchange? And, and he says it's uh, uh, exchange at, La- I can never say this, Lex. La toile. La toile. Okay. Sounds like la, la toilette to me, but okay. Uh, that restaurant on M Street, you know, where he's gone with Amanda before. The courier is a waiter. The method of exchange will be a modified Steiglitz. I think you're the German. I know. I'm just trying. I'm, I'm trying to read it because if it's I before E, it's pronounced E. And if it's E before I, it's pronounced I. So I'm trying to see how it was now uh, how it's spelled here St- uh sty steiglitz maneuver at 4 30 whatever that is <laughs> francine says she can be in position in 45 minutes obviously amanda was supposed to have gone and done this meet she took the call she's his partner she would normally have done it but they modified it so that it's francine because uh, martha's able to do the to do this so billy's saying it could get dicey and uh lee's like well, we don't have time to send in a team I think Francine can handle this one alone. He goes, which, Billy goes, which means you've already given her the green light. <laughs> and he's like, he clears his throat and he's like, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, he, you know, he's trying to be good and, and get out of trouble when he says yes, sir, <laughs> to him. Right. Yeah, I like Lee. Lee always has the best contrite look like, oh, I, I guess I overstepped my bounds, but I'm going to charm my way out of it kind of thing. <laughs> He's an ask for forgiveness. Yes, most definitely. Most definitely. (laughs) We're back in Washington and we're at La Trois and Francine is uh, dressed as a waiter, waitress, which is funny because, again, full circle moment. She's dressed as a waitress. Amanda would have been dressed as a waitress. Lee was dressed as a waiter in the pilot. It's just all these little things that are just kind of nuanced to be Mm -hmm. a redux of... Of the first time, you know? Yeah. And then you also have those two Russian goons hovering over, too. 
You know, I mean, it's just, it's all very reminiscent of the first time. So she rushes over to the other waiter who dropped, supposedly dropped his tray and she's helping him. And then he slips her a piece of paper and she puts it in with her stuff and then takes off right away. But unfortunately, as she's leaving, the little Russian tails uh, are following her as well. And she realizes that. She runs out and like she is like the star of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. If it was Amanda, that would have been even more cool because it's like, yeah, you know, it's Amanda. But also like the Russians have her playing a part and she had to pick up this part. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great springboard for Martha, for sure. No doubt. It's just as a, as a. Amanda and Kate fan it's like sad to me and I would have loved to see what Kate did with this episode you know this would have been a really fun one and they the script was pretty pretty good you know I mean it wasn't like their best but it wasn't their worst either I think she could have had some fun with it too and you know obviously we're seeing it before it would even have had edits too you know as they worked through it so it would have been fun to see it it wasn't meant to be though it is what it Somewhere is. Somewhere in an alternate universe. Yep. Yep. Sadly. The Russians are definitely aware of what's going down. I can't figure out, like, I, I know we're not supposed to poke too many holes in all this, but, like, how do they get it to be the exact person? You know, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead, but how do they get it to be the exact person that she hands it off to? You know what I mean? Like, do they have, is, like, the whole area filled with these these decoys? decoy well, students almost run into her like he pops out and almost like it's not like she walks up to him right I have she to... kind of does because she goes down that stairwell and then and then comes back and out it's just it's I a little I... too fortuitous for you know for them yeah. it all these things had to happen unless like i said they they had multiple decoys so that to, to increase their odds maybe maybe I also think she could have just gotten away without giving them the papers because there's people all around there and those guys are, they just seem dorks. But she, I mean, (laughs) it doesn't seem like they have. They wanted her to to pass it off. She ran up to him. So so she could have just ran over to the group of people that were back there. There's lots of people walking around. I was thinking, why don't you find a woman? You always yeah. find a woman. You never run up to a man. Never. <laughs> <laughs> but that they wanted it to be similar to the first time, you know, where it's a male and female. She did run up to him though, just to clarify, he didn't bump into her. She, he was standing there. She ran up to him after she couldn't get oh, okay. down that stair, you know, that, uh, down it wasn't even steps it was just like the lower landing you know so like somebody needing to go with a wheelchair could go down you know that flat yeah but it was like they were hurting her almost like there was only certain spots that she could have gone so i feel like they could have had plants that's what i'm saying they must have had like decoys in different areas just to uh, to increase their odds and she could tell i mean they had we the camera showed us there's those two goons that are blatantly chasing her and then there was another car another vehicle that was watching her they probably had her like strategically placed and cornered so she didn't have a whole lot to, to do so they kind of they forced this to happen yeah yeah you're right yeah and then yeah. so she runs up to this very american looking dude you know it seems like the last resort to pass it's the material 
Yeah. Well, I mean, remember. This just seemed a lot more urgent. That's all. I mean, the way he was being chased and all night, the train and everything, this just seemed a little more Well, these, those two guys, had a, they had their guns out and they were following her. It's not like they were shooting at her, but they were coming at her. She had no way of escaping. She, it didn't look like she had a gun. She didn't have it so pulled she out if she did. If she did pass it off, then what, what are they going to do? Shoot her? That's, what do you think happened to the guy in the first time? He was shot and killed with a package. But it's their plan. It's their frame. Right. But she doesn't know that. That's what I'm saying. She doesn't know that. Yeah. No, I know. But it, what I'm saying is it doesn't seem like it was as urgent for her to pass it off. The way, I don't know. I mean, it's like they knew. necessary. It's like the Russians were aware of the fact that lee and amanda met that way and lee or at least that lee had used that technique before and that francine was privy to that information that they would hand it yeah, off except for even when she did it he was like you know just hand it off i mean it's, it's like yeah into them not to do it right it like lee did it twice and then he yells at her for doing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> double standard extreme, typical extreme enough, but yeah let's just go with the story yeah I mean, <laughs> Let's just go with it. So she hands it off to this unassuming American, you know, boy next door looking guy, Brian. And it's not really, he's not anything close to being that. But he totally looks, I don't remember him. And you mentioned all those shows he was in, Lexi. And I don't recognize him at all in any of those. But, but I watched a bunch of them. I think it's the glasses. I think I kind of recognize him with the glasses and the hair kind of throws you off. Yeah. yeah. He's a cute kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way they've got him styled, he reminds me of from Meet the Robinsons. You know, oh my gosh, like, he does! He? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does a little backpack and everything, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's a good movie. That's a good movie. Too. Miranda, you like that one? You're a Disney fan. Yes, I do like that one. It's really that, cute. It's a cute one. one. I got a little arms and a big head! <laughs> I love that dinosaur. <laughs> the T-Rex. He's cute. Uh, so it's funny because she's like, meet me back here at nine o'clock. And then he's like, hey, I'm not even up at nine on Sundays. Relatable. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are very reminiscent of those two guys that were in the first time, for sure. You know, you got the one with the mustache. You got the shorter one and the taller one. You know, it's yeah. it's it's like they're purposely making this so much like that one. Mm-hmm. And so... There's a whole bunch of reasons, but like this is one of those is just there's so much that's reminiscent of the first time. And it just seems like they're bookends to me for the episodes, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the guys are all like, "Okay, she's done everything we wanted her to do. We can call this a day. And then they like head back to their vehicles, which she should have been like, oh, crap. (laughs) That was too easy. Yeah, why didn't she question them not chasing her at all? It takes, like, Lee to mention it later on of, like, wait, something doesn't seem right. They didn't even, like, after they meet him again. Right. Why wouldn't she have noticed that? And they, the Russians, on the other hand, should have continued the chase until it was more believable that she got away. Agreed. She handed it off. Agreed. Yep. The Russians just. <laughs> Ooh, what's that little car right there? That's so cute. What's that little gray car? So they get into a station wagon, but there's a car that's parked there. And it's kind of like, it kind of looks somewhat like Lee's uh, yeah, for, Porsche. What is that? that? So, it looks like a go-kart. <laughs> you never liked those little cars, did you? It's so cute. I wouldn't even feel safe in that. 
Yeah, it's it the the tops too different. But it's funny, um I know you guys probably totally picked up on this. The license plate on that vehicle is UWB, so Uncle Wiggly's birthday. Do you remember that? <laughs> There's recycled uh, license plates yep. in here. Yep. And look at the station wagon they're getting into. What is it? LBK 192. <laughs> I just think it's funny that the Russians are running around chasing people in the station wagon. <laughs> yes. like, like, you would think they'd have like an old there. sedan, you know, <laughs> nondescript old sedan or something. It's very practical to carry their gear. <laughs> Guns, cell phones, whatever. It blends in with the Americans. They're golden. Okay, so now we're back at the agency. Clearly, it must be the next day because... Or was she wearing that outfit? I don't think she was wearing that outfit. Um, No, I mean, she had her waitress. Oh, that's right. Yeah, thank you. You're right. Okay. So either this could be the next next day or it's the same day and she just changed out of her uh, outfit, her work outfit. I want that blazer so bad. Do you? It's so 80s. It's cute. I'm obsessed with it. Okay, not a fan. It's very dated to me. I cannot wear three-quarter length sleeves, though. You can't? Or is that just the way they are? It looks like it's um, like gathered there. But I like the uh, the dress with the belt. That's kind of cute. But the, the blazer looks very 80s to me. Is that why you like it? It's very retro looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you've been into that retro look lately. Yeah. Well, so this is kind of a funny, you know, you need a little bit of humor relief to relieve the tension in the episode. And, and this <laughs> seems to be a typical uh, guy, you know, who's always hounding after her, right? And then she finally is like, okay, lock the door. And he's like, oh, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. <laughs> I think if anyone can know herself, it's got to be him. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> he looks like a grandpa, though, in that outfit he's wearing. Like his little cardigan. Like he just should. In my day. <laughs> She's locked out of the queue and he lets her in. And he's telling her, as usual, he's like a total rule follower for sure on everything. Uh, goes with his character, obviously, but he's like, you know, you have to fill out a report on this. It's very important. <laughs> She's just like, I don't have time to be bothered. Very much like Lee. Like, yeah, why don't you do that for me kind of thing. And, uh, I don't know. I don't, I think it's just to have this, I think it's just to have this, uh, scene really. Because there's nothing... Or is it that she doesn't usually have access to the Q Bureau and she needed someone to let her in because Lee and Amanda aren't there? No, because she's been up there before, though, Lex. Remember in the one, um, uh, A Need to Know, when she's up in there filing and they come in and they're tickling each other? She was in there already. Wasn't there one time where she tried to get the doorknob, though, too? And she couldn't? Maybe she was in there with keys with her? Yeah. I kind of think that they would have, like, her and Billy would have keys to that yeah yeah well she, but she says she has keys and he doesn't question it that she would yeah. you know i don't she know yeah she could be lying <laughs> no not her it, it could be 
be working with the Russians. She gave them solid intel. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, he, he tells her to fill out a report. She's like, yeah, let me get back to you on that in a couple of days. And he's like, oh, no, no. She's like, I got a lot of work to do to cross-reference for Lee. He's like, you're asking me an awfully big favor. Missing keys around here are a status one priority. Shutting my eyes on this one for a couple of days would probably be the biggest favor you could ask from a guy like me. A favor that I would be happy to exchange for maybe a favor from you. She's just ignoring him, if you know what I mean. Ugh. Uh, Yeah, it's quid pro quo, man. Back off, man. Slightly before it's time. Me Too and uh, the Me Too movement. (laughs) She goes, oh, Ephraim, you're right. And then she gets up. She knows exactly how to handle it. That is a really big favor. Look, why don't you um, go lock the door and we'll start fogging up the windows? hmm?" And he's like, right now? Yeah, you got a problem with that? Well, I I was thinking maybe a drink later or maybe my nephew is having a bar mitzvah this weekend. I'll give you a call. Oh, you better get that. Don't worry about the missing keys. I'll take care of it. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah, turn it around real quick. Mm Mm-hmm. So Lee's catching up with her. He's in some nondescript office here. But it's got a big Apple sign in the back, so we know it's in New York. (laughs) (laughs) So silly. He's like, what about the papers? She goes, well, he got a quick look at them, indicated that they had something to do with the agency operations in Eastern Europe. I just confirmed it on your active file. She goes, I had to protect him somehow. It makes it seem like she's already told him that, that that she's already done the exchange. It's like they're catching up after she's already told him that. Because he says, pretty risky handing handing them off like that. So she didn't even get into him, into telling him that. So she must have, they must have had a conversation before that. Agreed? Yeah. Well, yes, because she, because this is 9 a.m. the next day. Okay. Or like before Be- Right before 9 a.m., yeah. So it's mm-hmm. presumed that she had a conversation with him already. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He goes, well, though I would have done the same in your place. And then she reminds him, as I recall, you did do the same thing about four years ago. He goes, if this has anything to do with Trojan horse, it is imperative that we get those papers back and fast. She goes, yeah, I know. I know. I got the guy meeting me at nine. I'll pick you up at at the airport at 1030. Why isn't Amanda picking you up? Damn it. Francine is not your partner. (laughs) So she's back at the university here. Supposedly this is Georgetown. It's 10 o'clock and he's still not there. I would have given up on him on that. He rides up on his bike. Could he be more wholesome looking? Yeah. He's like, I guess I should have known you'd be here after I saw those papers. Look, I'm sorry I'm late. I just woke up 10 minutes ago. She's like, you saw the papers? I figured that business yesterday was just a prank. You know, I was like, I was getting punked <laughs> before punked was a thing. Before they could be punked. So he's saying he took a look inside before he tossed the stuff. By the way, my name is Brian Benedict. No, it's not. Sorry, I peeked. She goes, I understand. I don't blame you. Can I see the papers, please? And she shows her agency badge. I knew you guys existed, but you hardly hear anything about it. I mean, CIA, FBI, even NSA. She goes, can I, the papers, please? She goes, well, I don't have them. She's like, well, where are they? Look, I'm a language student. I'm going to get my degree in four months. This is, so again, remember, Amanda didn't bring the package either because she thought, she needed leverage so that he wouldn't kill her. <laughs> right. But she also didn't look into what the package was. And that's how you know. She didn't, but Philip did. <laughs> well, 
Again, men. This is why. <laughs> 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 my case. <laughs> Respectfully submitted, Lexi Fina. Uh, take that how you want, people. <laughs> so she's asking what he did with the papers. He goes, I guess I'm a little flustered here. This is probably an old hat to you, but I'm a kid from Ohio. See, it's those Ohio kids. You can never trust them. Never trust someone from Ohio. <laughs> I was waiting for Miranda to come on. <laughs> I know, but you live right by him, too. Yeah, that's true. So Brian's a little over-exuberant, for sure. Uh, I think Amanda handled it a lot better (laughs) back in the day. I thought only Nazis and spies said things that. I'm actually involved with spies here. Like, dude, you're putting it on a little too thick, especially knowing what we know. He does look better without his glasses. <laughs> Francine's just rubbing her head. Oh, he looks cute. I just, he's, he's more attractive looking without him, I thought. But he's cute with him on too. And I, he's blonde and that's not usually my thing, but he's cute. He's, he's definitely cute. Yeah, for sure. Now, knowing that, of course. Yeah, that, that doesn't, you're not, you're not persuading her in the other direction there, Jen. That actually is a point for him, for her in Lexi's like, eyes. You go, girl. That's hilarious. He's a little too young for for Lex. He's too young. He's too young for Lex. He needs to be like another, like however old he is now. Yeah, I was just gonna say however old he is now is probably right, right, right there for. Oh, that's right. Proposing over Scrabble, so I guess he's Maybe you could be his third wife. (laughs) Let's see, he was born in 59, so. Yeah, honestly, that's a little outside the age. Yeah, he's in his 70s. No, he's in his 60s, right? 60s. Yeah, he's like eight years older than my mom, so that's going to pass on that. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that. No yeah. passing of sensitive information. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just hold on to that. <laughs> so Francine's like just rubbing her head like this is not how this is supposed to work out. You know, I'm supposed to meet the love of my life like Lee did. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, he's saying that he's got class and he'll have to meet her back there at, at noon. He goes, it's a makeup session. I'm sorry. I missed it twice. Look, I'll meet you back here at noon. She goes, what about the papers? Oh, poor Francine. Never goes the way you want it to. So they supposedly just pulled out of the airport. It did not look anything like them. Uh, And now they're in a car that's, again, using that bad, the poor man's uh, green screen. She's explaining that the whole issue with him coming, not coming with the papers and he still doesn't, she still doesn't have them. And, you know, Lee's asking about the background check and she's saying, you know, he came out clean. He's from a small town in Ohio, population of 9,000. He was an Eagle Scout. I mean, <laughs> the, the Russians just like totally like just put just better all the things that you make him seem so squeaky clean. Right. High school valedictorian. And now he's a 3.8 grade point average in college at Georgetown, no less. What, what more could we ask for? Oh, I don't know. Maybe that he was born in the U.S. and isn't a Russian plant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a thought. He goes, she goes, what else could we ask for? He goes, a better story in case someone asks, 
what we're doing passing classified documents to civilians. She goes, well, I don't know. It seemed to work out pretty well for you and Amanda. He goes, well, she's one in a million. That's right, she is. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I love it. Hell yeah. <laughs> like he's saying that we know that the, the papers uh, are quite sensitive, that it involves the Eastern European operation. And then someone else gets interested. So you give this very important information to some Eagle Scout from Ohio for safekeeping. And now he's going to give it back. And he goes, why is the hair on the back of my neck standing up, huh? <laughs> and then they look in the rear view mirror and see that they're being followed. Not good. I like how she's picked up the tail and he didn't because <laughs> he was too busy fuming. Yeah. He's like, well, you could be right. Well, there's only one way to find out. I like how he kind of looks at her like, will you put on, put some speed into this vehicle? Let's go. <laughs> oh, we have a new license plate at least. They're in the old station wagon. Oh, and they're two different Russians this time. But these are totally different Russians. So apparently they're on the, the next shift. <laughs> Maybe they're the Sunday shift guys. We've not seen these guys before, you know, in other episodes. I mean, the one guy looks familiar, though, the guy with the white hair. You got to hand it to the Russians. I mean, they're pulling this off. They've got this. This is very meticulous. Everything's got to be timed just right because they're going to be recording all this. And it's very contrived. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you have to suspend a lot of disbelief here uh, for this to make sense and to be (laughs) to make, you know, to seem real and not super contrived. But. Yeah. You know, if you can do that, then you can go, oh, the Russians really had their crap together here and really were very precise on things, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're in communications and they're telling them that they're they're following them and they're ready to go. And so Francine is looking for the guy and he's late again. She's like, he doesn't do this for a living. Give him a chance. He's like, well, it's about time. So she calls him over and he goes, oh, Miss Desmond, I had so much on my mind. I didn't see you. Mm-hmm, right, buddy. This is my colleague, Lee Stetson. And then he goes on to explain that he doesn't know when or how, but the papers are missing. And Lee grabs them. He goes, disappear. Now, wait a second. Now, the Russian guys come out with their guns. And they're just standing there like dorks with their guns. <laughs> it's a new show, Dorks with Guns. <laughs> dorks with guns they're like they pull them out in broad daylight you know nowadays people would have hit the deck or somebody else would have trampled on them and well yeah it's like a college campus and they're just standing there like they're guns for like yeah it just it's all very like they're they're like lexi said it perfectly they're they're being herded they're doing they're falling into this trap they don't even know it which is not like them they should Usually his spidey senses would have gone off. They're missing their logical thinker. There you go. That we figured it out. That in his brain is occupied because he is sexually repressed. (laughs) (laughs) It always comes back to that, doesn't it, Miranda? (laughs) He didn't get his hot beef Wellington. I meant the pastry with the meat. That's all I was talking about. What were you thinking? Goodness. <laughs> Have you guys ever had beef Wellington? No. I haven't. I want to try it, but they make it where it's like almost raw looking. 
And so I can't, I know Lexi won't either, but I would love to have a paste. The pastry sounds really good with it, but it'd have to be cooked like all the way through for me. Yeah, like I would cook it all the way through and yeah. then put it in the thing. That I would try. That sounds really yeah. good. Yeah. Like more of a pot roast style. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Why is it raw? That it's like, it's not raw, but it's, it, it's for my taste. It's very yeah, raw. It's like a roast beef vibe. Okay. Yeah. It's like not even medium cooked at medium. It's it's like medium. Uh, it's uh. Like Google it, Jen. You'll see. Yeah, it's like bloody. Cause uh, when we went to uh, Gordon Ramsay's restaurant, that's like their his specialty there, and I've always wanted to try it, but it's like so I can't even. It's too bloody for me. And it looks delicious, but it's just, it's too uncooked for me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, but I'm sure it's delicious. I just would, no one, a, a, a person that could make that would not make it the way I want it because it goes against everything that they've been taught to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's supposed so to be I that. Order a filet because you're supposed to have it a certain way. Yeah. And I won't eat it that way. So I yep. I get it medium well, and they're like, "Do you want it butterflied?" And I'm like, "I don't want it butterflied." And then they burn it. So yeah, it's kind of you have to go to is really that, nice is, restaurants. Is it, is it a good kind of meat? Because you wouldn't want to put good meat yeah. in like a pastry. It it is it is good meat, and it it supposedly enhances it. So I don't know, but okay. it's very I'll fancy. Yeah, it's very fancy, but. None of us have had it, and I probably will never have it because it's I will never. unless I, I turn into like a carnivore who really, really, really needs blood and meat. Oh no! Ugh. no. I can't. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> Lee, Lee like shakes the guy like, what, "What are you doing?" And then they see that the Russians are there, so he shoves them in the back seat with Francine, and then Lee takes off driving, and the guy's still still holding up his end like what's going on i don't understand and he's like just come on get in there and then the russians are like jen said (laughs) walking like dorks with their guns like (laughs) and then they get back in their vehicle and they're not even chasing after him did that how did that guy get that cut on his face would he have that like was that there was no fight was there he's got like his giant cut the tall guy with the mustache I don't know. Hmm. He probably tripped getting out of the car. <laughs> He's so big. He like cut his face. Uh, now we're back at the agency and Lee's less than thrilled. But he, he and Billy are trying to figure it out. Like, why did those guys chase, a, chase us and, and then not pursue? He's like, there's something very weird going on. So he's finally, although he wasn't involved in the, the whole debacle with having to hand off the papers so but yeah. now that he's into it he's like this just seems really weird and maybe francine not being as seasoned you know she's not out in the field as much as he is she didn't pick up on it i don't know yeah i mean they definitely work different kinds of missions for mm-hmm. different reasons. like she's i feel like she's more individual targets like probably how we used to be you know like go after certain types of targets yeah yeah with all of her connections mm-hmm. and then billy's asking well what about benedict brian uh and he says that uh francine's got him in a, a safe house 
She'll be back in a minute to begin a thorough background check. Billy, we could bring a team down to Vinton, Ohio from our Chicago bureau. He goes, meanwhile, we've got a piece of priority one information floating around out there. He goes, I know it. I know it. Look, the kid said that he locked the envelope up in a drawer in his room. When he got back, it was gone. What Francine told me, it looks like those papers are somehow connected to Chernev's Trojan horse. It would be safe to assume that the Russians want them back. So they're just falling for this whole trap that that the Russians have set up. They literally have sent in a Trojan horse, gave that information to entrap them. It's pretty clever. It all hinges on, you know, a lot of coincidences happening. But it is, you know, when you take, again, suspend the disbelief, it is kind of interesting. And their whole goal, just to clarify, is to to get Lee and Francine terminated. Like, that's the whole... It's. I think it, first and foremost, it's to make the Americans have egg on their face and look yeah, very foolish. The, yep. Their, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say spy. Their counterintelligence? Yes, thank you. Yep. All <laughs> of the U.S. counterintelligence. Mm. Yep. And it's a bonus that they're getting, you know, because they don't know what the true outcome will be, but it, they know it's going to make the Americans look like idiots. Wow. Of all, like, of all the episodes, right, in the show, this seems like such a dumb mission for the villains. <laughs> Like, I get it, but at the same time, there's been some real nefarious baddies yeah. in the show, like, real baddies, and, like, this, this is it? Like, this is it? Okay, fine. Well, you know, think about it. It's, um, remember, I mean, all the Russian episodes, they were out to do some similar things. I mean, with... It was a Cold War. It wasn't... Yeah. It was, it was all about getting the upper hand yes. as opposed to killing, killing. people yeah. and chasing people down it was all about it was all mind games it was all it was a chess game between the russians and the americans Hmm. because think about it with um uh all the world's a stage you know they were trying to one-up the americans by taking their scientists right then in bad timing they were gonna kill all those counterintelligence agencies but he was first and foremost he was gonna get revenge on lee you know, yeah. those different Which, things. Again, that, like, that's what I mean by, like, being... Yeah, I get it. So, yeah. ultimately, really bad. Versus this is just like, oh, they look dumb. Mm-hmm. Or, they're, you know, they're not going... They're not following... Well, they're the taking... Order. They're going to... They're taking out quite a few counterintelligence people along the way in this, too. Yeah. They're just not killing them. But they're taking them out of the game, so they're out for good. Yeah. Assuming that it goes the way they wanted it to go. Which, sure. obviously, it doesn't. So... Uh, not really, but yeah. In in SMK world, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so Billy's explaining that Andropolis uh, crossed the border from Greece to into Bulgaria four weeks ago. So four weeks ago. So Andropolis wasn't the person that called Amanda a few days ago when Lee was in New York. Mm. That's the key that he wasn't the one who he hasn't been heard, seen or heard from since. So he's been missing for four weeks. So they they must have done something to him. And then used him to pass on this information so that to get the Trojan horse into the, the um, agency's hands. Mm-hmm. So see, Amanda should not have told them that he was in New York. <laughs> he wasn't even really Andropolis. And uh, Lee says, so where was he calling from? Some small village in the Balkans? He goes, hardly. According to the computer log, the call was placed here. 
We just got a call from the safe house, Francine said. Benedict thinks his girlfriend may have the papers. They were in a drawer with some notes she was typing for him. He goes, great, great. Send a team to pick him up. So again, they're they're throwing out the, the lure and they're going to bite. And this is where all the crap goes down now. The shit's going to hit the fan. She says, and he wants you to meet him at his girlfriend's rooming house. There's, they can't keep Brian, quote Brian, uh, in the safe house. They can't limit his ability to go places. They can't limit where he goes. But that they're, they've got to send somebody to take, uh, keep an eye on him. And then she says, already taken care of. So then they head over. Now we're in Lee's vehicle. Francine and Lee head over to Brian's girlfriend's uh, uh, place to hopefully get the papers, except that that's not what's going to happen. And then Francine's like, look, you know, I've thought about this and there's really nothing else I could have done. He goes, what are you worried about? Relax, huh? You probably got a lucky with this guy, as lucky with this guy as I did with Amanda. She goes, oh, no, no way. <laughs> she goes, oh, no, he's, he's not my type. And he goes, come on. <laughs> oh, I like the little digs they give each other. <laughs> They could, they could be cute. They could have little blonde babies together. He's just a lot younger. <laughs> so as they're coming up, we see McCaslin from the CIA there. And then they, they're pulling out all their, they're all pulling out their uh, IDs and flashing them to each other. Sounds dirty, doesn't it? And they're like, we didn't ask for request interagency backup. <laughs> and they're pulling Brian out. Why are you arresting Brian? She's the one. She has tricked me. All of a sudden, now he's speaking Russian. She's like, me? You're crazy. All I can do is picture what Amanda would have done with this, you know, what Kate would have done with this part. It would have been so fun to see. Not that it's not fun to see what Martha does. It's just, you know. The show is Lee and Amanda. Yeah. Where the hell is Mrs. Where is she? (laughs) McCaslin, I mean... There's certain people that just make you, your the hair on the back of your neck stand up. He's one of them. He you can he's just throwing off a vibe that's just like, ew. Really? He's because I thought that he seemed really. Oh, I don't. Like, I didn't remember this episode, so when I first saw him and he was arresting him, I'm like, oh, that's cool, another POC character in like a cool role. And then I'm like, oh fuck, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's just. <laughs> yeah. he, he um it's it's interesting they don't usually have too many actors uh that play off him uh, off bruce that are taller than him and this guy's like a good two inches taller than him mm-hmm. but sure. i don't know he's just it's something in his eyes he just kind of looks like schemey to me okay. and it's probably because i know he's bad you know yeah the other guy looks like he could be that brian guy's dad yeah <laughs> the guy in the black suit McCaslin explains that Brian is really a Soviet student from Kiev. We caught him with highly sensitive documents detailing our agency operations in Eastern Europe, which he claims you planted on him. (laughs) I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up, but apparently you can because they did. And she's like, great. I mean, poor Francine. And I know it was supposed to be Amanda, but like (laughs) poor Francine, she gets sucked into all these things and they always turn out bad. Like, She's the, the the first time she's the the leak in unbeknownst to her the one, the episode we just did with um um a matter of choice with her ex fiance you know she gets drugged there and is 
you know, gives out secret information. You know, it's just like she she's always like the butt of it. Mm-hmm. When she gets captured by, um, is it Alexi? What's his name? The tunnel episode, and they do the exchange. Oh, Gregory. Gregory. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's that one. Mm-hmm. Wrong number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's always like, it's never like she's never like victorious. <laughs> Oh, I've done something really awesome from the start. Yeah, and she'll try and mimic things that other people have done, and it just goes to hell. Yeah. Like, like, Lee and Amanda, it worked out perfect. But not for her, not in this situation. No. That's funny. Uh, so we're outside the coffee room that we've never seen before. It's just funny. It's a coffee room instead of, like, yeah. a break room or something. Again, I'll take that sign. Thank you. Anybody, <laughs> anybody wants to give that out and has it? So there's an old, I mean, those are some old vending machines there. <laughs> like really old. I like that pop one with the rainbow. Yeah, the, the gold, yeah, uh, the cold drinks one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I think uh, the children's hospital still um, in Detroit still has that vending machine to the right of it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So they're in the break room uh, and Lee's explaining to Smith and Billy all that's gone down. And uh, he goes, certainly young Dubinsky, knee Benedict, is our Trojan horse delivered by your source Andropolis, which obviously they know it wasn't Andropolis because he was already across the border. It wasn't him. I get the sense that he was... They just used that, but are they trying to allude that he's turned on the on his Lee's family? Is that what you guys got out of that? I feel like he was just being sassy, like you're a guy Andropolis, even though they already know, right? Okay, but no, I'm 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 not saying about Smith. I'm saying, do you guys think that Andropolis was involved in putting the wool over Lee's eyes? And, no, or was he just, him. something happened to him, right? Okay, that's what I thought definitely, too. Okay. Because yeah. otherwise you got to think, Lee, you need to clean house with your, your family because yeah, there's been too many people turning on on him and his and the others, you know, if that's the case. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was like something happened to him. Okay, that's what I thought too. He turned code on Lee. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Okay, all right. Beware of Greeks bearing gifts, Smith says. They bent Andropolis. Okay, so Billy's saying they bent Andropolis and nobody knew. They bent him, meaning did they? So maybe he was forced to make the call. Is that what you guys? I mean, maybe that's what it is, that he was forced into making the phone call. And that really was him making the phone call? I don't know. I still think something happened to him. Yeah, maybe. I mean, being bent, maybe he had a gun to his head. Who knows? I mean. We were one step behind them all the way. I think you were probably three steps behind them, Billy, at this point. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what they were counting on, Smith said. Here's one for you, not so classic. Billy boy, blue, come blow your horn. The sheep's in the meadow. <laughs> ah, the cows yeah, in the corn. I know how this crazy. looks. It's, it's going crazy. I don't know what that means. Raison de terre of Chernov's grand scam. I'm not sure what that means. R-A-I-S-O-N and then D apostrophe E-T-R-E. No idea. Reason to be. Reason to be. How do we react? That's the issue. Like we always do. We don't panic, Lee says. We start from the beginning and we try to prove that it's a plot. Bulletin, you're at the bottom. Chernoff doesn't leave proof laying around to dig you out. 
Where is the boy who looks after the sheep? He's under the haystack, fast asleep. You're buried, scarecrow, under all that Soviet hay. Why don't you get to the point? <laughs> you and Desmond will tender your resignation in 36 hours. Say that she entrapped Dubinsky and acted on her own without knowledge of the agency. Wow. Would it matter to point out that it's not true? <laughs> in our dictionary, the word true is listed under ar archaic, where it stays while I keep the press in the dark and sweep you two under the rug. No, you're throwing them under the bus, dude. And then Billy's like, why take a black eye for nothing? All we have is a minor contusion, Billy. Bad end of a propaganda ploy. Considering the cooperative way we stepped into their trap, we should be glad that's all we got. Well, we are not going back to our club this afternoon. Lee's, Lee's starting to get a little ticked off. <laughs> starting to. We are not going back to our your club this afternoon for a little bridge. We would like to have another shot at saving our jobs and our skins. In this game, Stetson, you're lucky when you end the match in a draw. And then I like how he throws the pool ball down. <laughs> and you always sacrifice a pawn. I'd say he's more like a knight. Thank you very much. Not a pawn. He always belittles people. He does. And it's the worst thing. Like, other than the stupid nursery rhymes and just the cigarette smoking, he's just, he never is a champion for anyone. No. Nope. He just always puts people down. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's how he gets the upper hand, you know? Because he's... A... By making people feel small. Yep. It's just terrible. They wrote him really well, and he yeah. played it really well. He did. I agreed. Agreed. Yeah, but they're totally, he's just throwing them under the bus. And then yeah. we have to point out, he throws the pawn piece at Lee and he catches it because that'll play in at the end, obviously. His hair is really long, kind of long there, Lee's. Getting a little shaggy. It is a little <laughs> bit shaggy. Yeah, I don't like it down the neck like that. I don't either. I like it a little shorter. Lexi likes it a little longer. I do, I do. Miranda, do you like it long or short? I can't remember. I'm a fan of a little bit longer. Oh, yeah, a little longer. Yeah, not the short. Yeah, I like, I don't like the spiky, like season no. four spike. I don't like that. But I like, mm -hmm. I like season two part, the part. And I also. I like it, I like it puffy. You like, like it puffy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's I funny. like it a little puffy. <laughs> I like them big. I like them puffy. <laughs> <laughs> so now we skip to there's proceedings going on. I don't fully understand all this like again I don't spend a whole lot of time on this episode because you know you know and um but they're they're going through it's there's Russians there and there's Americans there and uh the State Department's agreed to hear the Soviets protest should they wish to make a public statement the U.S. may or may not acknowledge the, this meeting ever occurred and so then they tell him to proceed so the Russians are there explaining what happened their version of what happened and billy's leans over and whispers to to smith how long can we sit on this smith tells him 48 hours then all's fair misha dubinsky aka brian benedict uh, a soviet student studying at georgetown university this is their story obviously was approached several weeks ago which it's interesting so this has been several weeks doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that, does it? it? I thought they had discredited the story that, that he was, I mean, he was living under assumed American identity. Can't they bring that up? Yeah. I mean, he's not a Russian. He wasn't studying as a Russian. He was hiding as a, an American. Right. 
by two American agents who attempted to entice him to spy on his own government. A loyal citizen, he refused and reported the attempted recruitment to the Soviet embassy. We saw this as an opportunity to document the U.S. policy of harassment and entrapment of Soviet citizens. I mean, it's so convoluted. So that's why they were recording it, which I'm glad they at least explained that because it was like, okay, then how do you explain that you were recording it kind of thing, you know? So I'm glad they, Mm -hmm. sometimes they would have just let that be like, oh, they'll figure it out and not do anything, but at least they tied that up a little bit. And then it shows Lee and Francine meeting with him the, the second time trying to get him to give information and then when he says he doesn't didn't have it he lost it lee grabs him by the sh- the collar and like you know tries it looks like he's roughing him up kind of thing so it doesn't play well i'm sure they ate it up though a few days later one week ago again the young man refused his cooperation and the american prov- provocateurs resorted to coercion after physical threats were made <laughs> the entrapment phase has was begun Two days ago, in a clumsy maneuver, the American agents... Okay, this is where I'm confused. Now he's saying two days ago. Because they actually have video of, of her handing off the papers to him. Yeah. So, so they, were, they were saying there was three different incidences. One that they don't have video of. The second one that they have a video of Francine dropping the stuff off. And then two days ago... When oh, I get it now. Okay, so they're saying something that really didn't happen a couple weeks ago. They right. tried. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes more sense. So yeah, they're got it. Three two that they have recorded, one that they don't. And the one they don't have is because it never happened. Exactly. They're just making it up. Right. Got it. Got it. Thank you. That clears it up. You're welcome. It only took almost thirty nine years, but I got it now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, 39. That means I'm going to be 49 soon. Oh God. <laughs> Don't think about it, Tia. Don't think about it. Oh, I feel sick. All right. <clears throat> Moving on. Oh no. Moving on. Well, you know what happens, Lex? I mean, you're coming up on a big milestone one too, but mine's just a lot bigger than your milestone. <laughs> okay. Okay, that... That totally didn't make sense to me. But now, you know, like I said, I didn't take a lot of time to like go, well, how come that is? And then figure it all out. I just didn't care. But okay, that that helps me understand a lot better. And why they would have her under surveillance during that time. I like he's like, nice touch. Not only are we con artists, but incompetent ones. (laughs) And arrest followed yesterday. And to avoid suspicion, the actual arrest was made by a second agency. But the U.S. control was on hand as well. So they're saying that they brought in the CIA so it didn't look like it was contrived. But who would believe him? And then Smith is like, fine, Stetson and Desmond. I want those resignations today. Uh Uh-oh. You'll regret that. Billy doesn't seem too uh, concerned. Two of his best agents are going to get shit-canned and he doesn't care. He's like... They're back at the agency now, Billy and Lee are in his office, and he's he's telling him that his hands are tied, and he's like... Billy, all I want you to do is turn the screws on McCaslin a little. Make him tell us the source of that tip. You're the best agent I ever worked with. I consider you and Desmond cornerstones in this agency. I mean that. You're the best there is. And you're also good friends. Listen to me, Billy. 
have too much respect for both of you to sugarcoat this. Dr. Smith has asked for both of your resignations now. Your security clearances will be canceled at midnight, and you'll have 24 hours to clear out your offices. I thought you'd at least help us fight while we still had time. I went to the wall with you a few times. Yes, you have. More times than made any good sense. She finally wised up, huh? Straighten your badge. I think that's Billy's way of letting them fight. Like, he's giving them 24 hours, basically. Yeah. Why would it be... Like, off the record kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's all that he could do to help. Yeah, he was trying not to buck Smith because then he would be out as well, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, this is to go back to Lexi's question from the beginning, where why do I think this is should be the end episode? Mm-hmm. Lee, Lee's straightening his tie, and he says, I guess you finally wised up, huh? And then he's, Lee says to, to Billy, straighten your badge. If you guys flip all the way back to the first time when they were, when... Lee came back after dropping off the package to giving it, handing off the package to Amanda and he's Mm -hmm. got his ice pack on him and he's getting escorted with Billy and that little golf cart down the the lane there, you know, down the hallway, Mm -hmm. Uh, Billy, and they're going off to see uh, Dirk. Billy tells him, straighten your badge. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's kind of, I just, I feel like this, this is just another example of, of just coming full circle. Like, Again, those bookends of the, they of the may show. They not have known that it was going to be the last episode, but it would have made a really good season ending either way. Like, yeah. Taking yeah. it back to the beginning. Yep. And, and also they could have made it so you don't know if they're getting, they're, they're being exactly. termed. Yeah. They could have yeah. made it a Mm-hmm. I just think, I, I don't know. This one just feels right to me as the, end, the true ending instead of, instead of uh, the Khrushchev list to me yeah i don't know that one just didn't seem like a an end of the show not that they Mm -hmm. and i mean they probably thought it knew it was a possibility but i don't know if they were still holding out hope that they were going to be able to go on for another season you know yeah at this point you got to figure kate's out of it so it's probably not going to happen i know that i just i thought that was it's like such a poignant moment like now it's Lee telling Billy to straighten his badge. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm reading more into it. No, I see the bookend thing you're okay. going for. Okay, Makes good. Sense. All right. It's hard to be excited about any of these yeah. episodes, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I see what you're saying. It's so sad. Lee looks just his his shoulders have slumped, and he's just like looking at Billy's office like it's the last time he's ever gonna see it, kind of thing. It's just sad. Mm-hmm. If I were him, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna take this. Cigier sign that I'm taking that with me. I'm going to take right. this Moscow uh, cool print over here. I'm taking that agency I'm from. <laughs> yes. I would totally love that thing. Mm-hmm. So if I were Francine, though, I'd feel really bad because I don't know. Yeah, she kind of sucked him into it, didn't she? Although it is his, it was his contact, though, too. So he's ultimately responsible, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't do that, everything else. He didn't hand off material. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Okay, everybody be quiet. We have a moment of Kate. (laughs) Kate. 
Kate's on here for like a 30 seconds. A moment of silence, silence please. Uh, I do like this, the scene where they, last time they were at the, at the, in the Q Bureau, the, that peach color, pink uh, ballerina slipper, pink uh, vase that was on the desk was empty. And now that Amanda's in the office, now there's yellow and white flowers in there. That's cute. Nice little touch. And she's, she's got her hair up on a banana clip. Could, nothing says 80s like a banana clip. I literally have like a half dozen and I wear them all the time. I'm I don't like, know how you can. Your hair is so thick. How can you wear those? And I, I think, think they really, really better with thick hair. Yeah, like I just put it like on top. I don't do it how they wear it like right here. Mine oh. goes right on top of my head and then it just flops around. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can never wear mine because my hair was too fine. It wouldn't. Oh, I, I guess, you know what? I, I have fine hair, but because I could wear it when my hair was curly because I had all that texture. That's probably why. I don't know. I I don't know if I could. I need to buy some. Where do you, where do you get them? They have new ones in the store, but I don't like them. I found, I think one of the original manufacturers on Etsy, their patent ran out, but they're like the authentic. They're the original ones. Cause yeah. yeah. Cause I bought like uh, the newer ones and I don't like them. Man, there was nothing better than when you had it in your head on your head all day, and then you take it out and you're like, "Oh, uh-huh. it, it felt so good" because it was like you didn't realize how painful it was. I always used to love putting them in when my hair was wet because it because my hair wouldn't get curly unless I left it wet to dry. Oh, okay. So I would put them. I would put it my hair up in them when my hair was wet, so then it would dry all curly around my head. Oh, that's cute. And you must have had quite a uh, like banana clip head when you get out <laughs> i did but it was it was okay because i had in the banana clip until i would get home or whatever yep it would make a difference i remember i'd, I'd have them in and then they'd pop out and you're like ah <laughs> you have to put it back, <laughs> shove everything back in there you know the hair is loose yeah it's like it's on the loose all right so amanda's back for a short little moment and he hands off his resignation that he's typed up and she starts reading it. She's like, I, Lee Stetson, am responsible for my actions and absolve the agency from any blame or wrongdoing. I can't believe you're going to lie like this. This part was so lame. Oh. Yes, I agree. It was lame. He's, he, I listened to it again, too, and I was like, what is he saying? He's trying to, he's trying to say, like, this, a good soldier, a good soldier is going to take one for the team kind of thing. But that's BS. And he wouldn't lie down like that. I just, this doesn't ring true to character for me on this part. Yeah. Lame. 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 She doesn't look like she's buying it either. She's just like looking at them all confused. They didn't question their orders. They just did. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that's just not him. He's not like that. He doesn't just, he's not a lemming. That was their word. This is ours. She goes, I can't believe you're going to equate this to something like that. <laughs> she's exactly. calling she's calling bullshit on it, too. <laughs> uh-huh. He goes, I know, but we can reason why all we want. But the point is, when the time runs out, we are going to, to both do what's best for the agency, right? She goes, all right, look, I checked the Eastern European roster. They said we're planted on Dubinsky. It's current. This thing is updated every two weeks. Maybe we'll be able to find out who's leaked this to the Soviets. How many requests were there? She goes, 61. I'm already checking them out. So he's hoping that he can figure out who tipped off McCaslin at the CIA about Dubinsky. She goes, you know, you can tiptoe around McCaslin all you want. You're never going to find anything out. He goes, well, I wasn't thinking of tiptoeing. 
I was thinking black bag. And don't get any ideas. You're not going. Yeah, God forbid she goes out of the agency for crying out loud. Francine is the agent of record. And for once, I just want you out of the line of fire. Please, Amanda. So can you see how much taller McCaslin is to Lee at like 27? Yeah, he is tall. He's really tall. He's a big guy. Probably played football, I bet. Lee looks so little compared to him. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking it was two inches, but that's good. Three at least. Yep. So McCaslin's acting like, you know, he's Lee's friend and all this stuff, but he's not at all. He's a bad, bad man. So he's saying, that's why I'm, a, unaf-, he goes, you, you know, you're, you're down and out from down for the count. And this, that's why I'm unofficially helping you. If, if the Soviets succeed, the whole intelligence community gets hurt. He goes, this already happened, Stetson. Playing fast and loose, huh? He goes, you were there. You responded to the tip as if it were good. He goes, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, but you and Desmond were the stars right up there on the silver screen. He goes, I hope that's a figure of speech. He goes, hell no, Sergei's got the whole thing on tape. So he didn't know this. Lee didn't, wasn't told, which I'm surprised Billy didn't mention it to him. Yeah. The first blushing proposition to the bitter parting. I had to grit my teeth through the whole thing in a room full of groaning State Department types. Oh, and fellows from the Post. I don't get this either. He was in that corny little Bon Mott first front page. What's, I don't know what that is. Do you guys know what that is? B-O-N- M-O-T, two different words. It's a witty remark. He was in that corny little, corny remark first front page. That doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. I say, I don't know. He's saying they were hung out. McCaslin says, what's that expression? Twisting slowly in the breeze? Meaning they've been hung out to dry. That's you, pal. Ooh, that little uh, jaw twitch. (laughs) He's not happy. Nope. So now we're back at the agency at night. Oh, this is a cute little moment. Mm-hmm. which I'm surprised they didn't cut this, but it's, it is cute. This is with your stamps person that you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. He comes in. Those look like Deverona chocolates to me. <laughs> that little <laughs> box. <laughs> they probably just grabbed the prop. That lady, they really cast her well. She seems like somebody who would be like in the, you know, the belly of the agency data and en- doing data entry and things like that to me. Yeah. She's me, man. She's you? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> Doing data entry stuck in the office all the day, all the freaking day. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and if if you were her, you would have you would have uh, bit the chocolate with him. <laughs> would you have bit the chocolate with him? <laughs> I'd have I'd have totally flirted with him. <laughs> of course, in 1987, maybe not today. No, he would have been like, creeped out a little by then. <laughs> what were you like? Uh, Eight, I was, nine. I was. Let's see. By the time eighty-seven, I was ten. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I was about to be thirteen. She's cute, though. She's like, if you're gonna bribe somebody, I say do it upright. <laughs> Bonatelli chocolates must be scarecrow. And she's like, yeah, I heard the bad word. Is it's true? He goes, yeah, too true. I'll just bet the lockout order is somewhere right in here. She's like. Go ahead. Like, she's letting him look through it. He seems to find it there near the top. She's like, is it, a little, is it too late for a mad dis- indiscretion? He goes, it's after nine. You tell me. <laughs> so flirty. She's like, give me that. And then she looks through what, what he has there. Is that like a romance novel on her computer? It looked like on the top of her, her CPU, there was like a, a novel. Hugo stamps. 
Oh, yeah, it is. Look at that. That's cute. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> I could totally see that where she's on a break and just reading through like Dottie Wood. <laughs> yeah. She says, uh, they're wiping you clean, son. The full ride. Ouch. You and Desmond just zipped out of the security web from Delta Green to your parking passes. You better get to supply and grab all the paper clips and ball points you want before I punch this into the system. Because when I do, you can forget it. I like how he, he, she probably knows he's doing this, but he takes it and sticks it like three quarters of the way down the pile. So it's going to take her a long time before she, she does that. And how late does she work? My God, it's after nine o'clock at night. That's what I'm saying. I told you. She, she lives in the office like me, doing that in the street. And then she goes to take the chocolate and then give, like, she's going to give him a bite. And then he goes like he's going to take it and then kisses her on the forehead. That's it, cute. It's sweet. Creepy, but sweet. <laughs> Lexi's shaking her head. I, I was just saying what she was thinking. Yeah. It's almost like her and Mrs. Mercer are two opposite. Yes. Top and bottom of the agency, so to speak. Like, she's in the, the bowels of the very bottom. And Andrew and Mrs. Marson is like the gargoyle cage. The <laughs> gargoyle. <laughs> and, Ouch. And Stamps is just happy to get a visitor down in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Come into my lair. Yeah. <laughs> I like when he goes to leave. She goes, I sure am going to miss you, toots. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll miss you too. Oh, that's sweet. It is. I did like her. She's one of my favorite, like, little off off character people. Yep. So Amanda's, again, talking off camera. We don't get to see her, though. You're not going. I just wish there was some way I could help you and Francine. Amanda, I don't have time to argue. McCaslin's office is in the Alexandria station. They've got full security there, and I may be locked out of the web in less than an hour. Now, please, stay put. You know, Amanda, I may be... Ending both our careers here, but I'm not sorry. Not sorry one bit. Especially for the last four years. You don't have to tell me all this stuff. You know, I was thinking, no matter how this turns out, this may be something that we both need. A reason to live like normal people. Bye. Traffic in Alexandria would get pretty heavy if there's a game in Georgetown. Maybe we should uh, head out. Yeah, listen, Francine, I'm asking you to do a hell of a favor for me. You can tell me to go jump in the lake if you want to. If I don't help you, your chance of success is less than half. If you blow it, we're out on our ears. And like you said, you might just have to live like a normal person. I can't let you be normal, Stetson. <laughs> Not you and Amanda both. This part made it feel like... Mm-hmm. A last episode, or yeah, not necessarily a last episode, a, a, a season finale. Come, yeah, bringing all, all of it kind of full circle again. Yeah. I know that's. I just, I feel like this was misnumbered. You know, yeah. I, I know it was filmed twentieth and shown twentieth. I just feel like this one should have been the end. Yeah. yeah, but I don't get this. She's the one who brought all this on them. I mean, technically. So why is? He's saying, I'm asking you to do a big favor here. Like, she's saving his skin. It's both of them. Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sorry, but Francine should not be in his apartment with him. It should be Amanda. Respectfully submitted. Taya Johnston. (laughs) Now, Francine and Lee are pulling up to the CIA substation to go into McCaslin's um, office. And 
they're playing it off like they're there to, to to join a late night special task force and mm-hmm. and they need to go into the conference room and they're like oh okay and so they're kind of explaining why they're there because obviously it's well past nine o'clock at night right so mm-hmm. and then where they come in his office just happens to be right there at the exit <laughs> right by the exit or entrance there so as they're talking, other two other guys are walking down. And then I like how they just pretend like they're uh, going over some reports. She always likes to wear gloves for some reason. That's like, the, too. that's like the fifth or sixth time she's worn those gloves. Yeah, they're like really big. I thought they were wearing gloves because they were sneaking into a CIA office. No, he's not wearing any. And he's the one oh, who's... Oh, he has some on too. No, he doesn't. Oh. That would make more sense, though. That'd be a better reason. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. Right? She, wore she just wore them recently in, in a matter of choice, too, with that other blue outfit. And he's just being careless because he's not wearing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going through his office. And, of course, uh, Lee goes in, checks in the vent and finds uh, a little t- a cassette tape. And it's the smoking gun that they needed. Except now... They've just set off an alarm and they're going to be coming for him. And they play it and it and it's two men talking. It's McCaslin and Sergey talking. And they mentioned this Miss Price, but I don't know who Miss Price is. I could never figure that out. Miss Price, I think, worked for him, like his admin or whatever. McCaslin. Yeah. Okay. And they killed her, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah somebody killed her. Killed her yeah. She's the one that put the request in. We just never got to see her or anything. Yeah, we never her. did. Mm-mm. So as they're coming out, uh, they the guards come and, and catch them. And quickly, quick thinking, Francine tosses it into uh, a planter so that they don't get caught with it, which is smart. They can come back, hopefully, and get it later. So they probably just got a slap on the wrist at this point. That does not look like her glove. No. <laughs> it looked like a fuzzy black one. <laughs> Billy's got them in his office. He's like, I just burned six paybacks. That's a lot. Five, I really owe you. And a half dozen future friends in need to spring you to. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) And they're like, thank you for bailing us out, Billy. Oh, I'm a great bailer. Sometimes we forget what else I do around here. I'm the boss. Yeah, but you fired him (laughs) or made them resign. He's like, I okay the plan. And your job is to do what I say. Ooh, he's mad. And then he's like, she was giving me an extra pair of eyes. Like, he's trying to make it so it wasn't her fault kind of thing. He goes, Dr. Smith cut your eyes out last night. You don't work here anymore. And I spent a considerable amount of time tap dancing around that particular fact with the security guard who caught you. They're trying to point out like, hey, aren't you at all like wondering what that tape is about with McCaslin and Sergey? <laughs> I don't need any more flies in the web. So Carla Price is the link to McCaslin. I don't, I still don't know fully on that one. And then he's saying, Dr. Smith, <laughs> I paused it at 3523. And <laughs> it's so funny looking at Billy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Wait, yeah, I got 3523? Yeah, it just looks really funny. It's going to take me a minute. I don't know if you can catch it really quick, but it's, he's like, his eyes are going different ways and. Wait, I didn't see his eyes going. Well, you you have to pause it. You have to pause it on 3523. That's all. It was just funny. You know, when you pause something and they're like, oh, and they're caught like in a funny. So McCaslin and Sergey meet up and uh, Sergey pulls out his gun like he's going to take care of McCaslin 
pretty much like he took probably took care of uh, Price. And uh, McCaslin lets him know that he's not going to be able to do take care of him like that because he's got um, an insurance policy that will make sure that he's kept alive. And then he like sadly like puts back his gun in his pocket. He goes, you may as well put that to your own head, Sergey. You need me more than you think. He goes, convince me. I'm a paranoid federal agent. I took out an insurance policy just for a time for times like this. All of your Trojan horse conversations conversations are on tape. Enough to bury us both. A good bluff. He goes, look, I would not be here if I was bluffing. He goes, then why are you here? Because Stetson broke into my office last night and stole the tape. So your insurance policy is our indictment. Yep. <laughs> he never got it outside of the building. Our security guard searched both of the, him and his partner. That's not his partner. Um, before they were released. So he'll be back for it. And he goes, and I'll be waiting. That Sergei, uh, you know, Dr. Glazier, I guess, must be somewhat tall because he's not, that guy's not towering over him. Yeah. I mean, he's still taller than, Sergei's shorter than Lee, but he's not that much shorter, actually. Yeah, he's not super short. Yeah, I'm, I was surprised. I thought he would have been a shorter guy. I don't, I, again, there's certain parts. It's like they're filling up things in here that they normally wouldn't have had in here. They have this whole boat thing with, uh, with, with TP. TP. I don't think they really would have needed that, really. Mm-mm. It's a lot of buff. And yeah. does he have a mattress on the roof of his Yes, he does. I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna mention that. It looks really gross, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Ew! It looks so dirty, and there's a refrigerator on the on the deck. <laughs> so he's Lee goes and sits down next to him on a on a swing, and um, he's driving around one of those little powered sailboats. But I, again, I don't know why they had, they had to have this part. But he's saying he wants to get into the CIA. And he's asking TP to help him. He's like, I'm running out of doors to open. Carla Price has disappeared. The agency is closing files. Faster than when the White House shredded the Watergate files. McCaslin's getting away with political murder. And, and he needs an in. And so TP is going to get him in there. He goes, I don't even think the president can hold back the four-letter expletives. I, I can't see... Uh, Ron Reagan uh, <laughs> dropping F-bombs. I don't know. <laughs> Did you guys ever see that Saturday Night Live uh, skit they had where Reagan's, they have like people coming to visit. They have like a little Girl Scout that comes to visit Reagan and he's like, oh, you know, he's all that jolly good guy, you know. And then then they leave, uh, she leaves and then Ollie North comes in and he's like, all right, what are we going to do? And he's like down to brass tacks and everything, <laughs> like very uh, strategic and everything. And then when somebody else comes in, he's all like lollipops and sunshine, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't think I've ever seen that one. It's funny. I saw it. Uh, it was uh, Dan Aykroyd was in it. So it's the older ones, you know, Yeah. in the early 80s. It was cute. Anyways, it was funny if you saw it. You're going to make me Google it. <laughs> Watch it later. So TP is the one who's going to get him in with uh, through pretending to be a maintenance person. He goes in pretending to be a, a painter. And whenever they filmed this, it was definitely raining the whole time because when they came in at night, him and Francine, it was raining and now it's raining again. So he goes in and they act like, oh, yeah, no problem. And then he calls up the, the guard calls up after Lee leaves and and warns McCaslin that he's there and he's alone this time. So. They're, they're fully on to him. They're just like, it's like everybody always knows what's happening, but Lee and Francine, the whole, this whole episode. And they just kept playing into, 
into their game. You know, they're playing a game of chess and they're in control the whole time. Yeah. So they're watching him and he's coming out to the courtyard where they had left it. And then he pretends like he's got to tie his shoe and drops, you know, puts everything down and then uh, grabs, grabs the cassette and puts it. This is how I can't figure it out. He puts it in his little tray. And then when he gets back to the his van, he puts it in his pocket. But somehow he switches them. It's very, I don't know how he did it. You can't give us all a secret. <laughs> So he got what he was there, to, he, was, he was going for. He got it. And now Sergei is going to get him. Is that an old Porsche, that white one? It looks like it. When he yeah, goes out. You're t- I think you're talking about it is. Yeah. It's an old one, though. That's like an early 60s one. I think it's a 911, though. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it. But it looks like like a 19, early, like 1961. So he gets back in his van. Like I said, he stuck the cassette tape in his front lapel pocket there and now sergey's driver is following him it always bothers me when they try to make a painting van look too obviously yeah. like a painting van. <laughs> they got it all sprayed with paint i know it's like on purpose who would ever uh get and painted in that manner. Mm-hmm. It's that not splatter. like they needed to. He just needed to have a van. It didn't need to have paint on it. Even his coveralls are that way. It's Ooh, like, a doodle bug. There's an old doodle that. bug there. So Lee's being chased now by Sergei's driver. And he goes into this warehouse, which we know is the... He's now, in hindsight, we know that they've chosen this one in particular. And he drops his ladder. <laughs> Doesn't deter the guy. And he pulls into the garage and then gets out and chaos ensues. <laughs> so, like, did, I, on this part, did Lee lead them to that yes. space on yes. purpose, right? Yes, because Francine's up there already. She's waiting. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Which, what's the deal? Why did he make such a mess there? Did that just all fall out or something? Goodness. It slid out on him. Okay, because it was, like, everywhere. This is no way to end the game, Scarecrow. Come out. This reminds me of Mission of Gold when he meets up with, finally gets um, with Amanda Shooter. Mm. And they're in that, remember they're in that garage. Yeah. I wonder if it's the same place. And then you can hear him. He's like, you set us up, Sergey." He's like, of course I did. I had to fight like hell to get this, the sweat suit. I don't know what that means. <laughs> He's like, well, I don't like to lose. Oh, another old doodlebug. Those are some old vehicles, man. <laughs> yeah. There'll be other games. My country would nub- love new players. Why don't you consider Moscow? Ugh, it would divert the allies. Lee almost shot that guy. They both, they all suck at shooting, man. They have no... Oh, now McCaslin's there. So now he's cornered Lee. Lee gives him the tape. Or did he? Mm-hmm. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm afraid your conversation with me concerning Trojan horse never took place. And then he puts it down on the ground, pours gas or some oil on it, and then starts it on fire. Your insurance policy is terminated. They're going to shoot you, McCaslin. So they're pretty much essentially uh, indicting themselves because they're saying all this and Francine's recording all of it. Lee's like, I ha- got to hand it to you. You covered every base, didn't you? The real fun will start when the news blackout is lifted. They will probably want to hang you. He goes, you really think that? You are set up and destroyed. You can stay and face your bureaucratic scramble or you can quietly slip into a new uniform. Yeah, okay. Didn't, that's what... um. Rostov tried to get him to do too. Didn't work out too well for him either. Mm-hmm. 
Is that the same offer you gave McCaslin? He's like, he's in an awkward position. He is now a player without a team. <laughs> I think he will join Ms. Price. Oh, so you just admitted that she's been killed. Billy's there. He's got their back, of course, now. He didn't have it before, but now he does. Billy says, I wouldn't do that. So then Lee yells up to Francine, asking her if she got it all. And then he says, I believe you're looking for this. And pulls out the good tape. Your mic's picked up every word. She says, I got a great camera angle. So in the end, they got they got the Russians. Finally, it took them a while, but they finally got them. The good guys win. Yes. So now we're at the agency's Q Bureau and uh, Billy and Dr. Smith are up there with Francine and I'm sorry. I thought it was Francine. She's, uh, there's a sailor next to Lee <laughs> and somebody who looks like Francine, but it's clearly uh, like a sailor. I don't know. A midshipman. Yeah. She's, she's just come in on the midshipman, man. <laughs> what the heck is that outfit? <laughs> But I love this. They're like asking for time off. He goes, well, it's been a very stressful couple of days, sir. <laughs> I think a little R&R is in order. He goes, but you will be returning to the agency. I've torn up your resignations. He goes, wait a second. We never submitted our resignations. <laughs> you fired us, remember? She goes, of course, this means that you're rehiring us. A week's vacation enough, he asks. Oh, a month. He goes, two weeks. I expect to see you in about two weeks. And then Lee goes, one moment, sir. And then tosses him back that pawn. Checkmate. <laughs> Hee hee. Yay, Lee's gonna get some nookie. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the nookie. The nookie. <laughs> and then Sailor Francine and Lee smile up at each other and smile at each other and then it ends. Fade out. So that's the series, my god. That's that's all she wrote. But that's Drum not roll. all she wrote, because we have a script. <laughs> The script is slightly, not slightly, it's a lot different. Um, just kind of go through the quick things here. So when Andropolis calls, she takes the, obviously takes the meet with him instead of Francine because Lee's not there. And she's like, I'll, I'll coordinate with Stetson kind of thing. Oh, and then we learn it. She, when she calls, uh, she's got security 17A, which was a lot higher than she used to have. Mm. How does that come up in the script? Because she's, she's got to call and relay a message to Lee about Andropolis. Because oh. he's in New York, remember? So she's got to get a message to him. Apparently she apparently he didn't give her uh, his uh, briefcase phone <laughs> number. The conversation between Lee and Amanda goes down. And so a lot of it's a smattering of what Francine and Lee were talking about on the call when, they were, when Lee was in the car with Billy. But it is a little different. When he says, okay, you cut out and run if there's any sign of problem. Understood. And she says, absolutely. I'm on my way. I love you. And then he glances over his shoulder a little embarrassed, then mumbles, me too. <laughs> Off Amanda's <laughs> smile we cut to. I thought that was kind of cute. Oh, so when Amanda by, uh, goes up to Brian, she says, look, I know this is going to sound fantastic, but it's a matter of national security, maybe life and death. And then she says, my name is Amanda King. I'm with the government agency and I want you to keep this safe for me. Meet me tomorrow morning at nine o'clock at Colonial Burgers. Got that? <laughs> and he goes, whatever you say, lady. She goes, good. Now get out of here. And then he says, now, hey, wait a minute. I'm not even up at nine o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> Instead of what was it? The pirate's booty or whatever it was called. Was <laughs> Moby's Dock. Yeah. Yeah, Mommy's dark, yeah. <laughs> Pirate booty. <laughs> so when Amanda's explaining to Lee 
what happened. She says into the phone, I know it was an unorthodox move, Lee, but I didn't have much choice. Philip and Jamie run into the kitchen dressed in sport coats. Philip has a red tie in his hand. Give me that. And Amanda says to the boys, whoa, what's going on here? Jamie says, I want to wear that tie to church, but he grabbed it. And Philip says, mom, it looks better on me. And Amanda says, I have a feeling this, this has more to do with looking good for Andrea Densmore than it does church. And Jamie says, it's not fair. Andrea is in my class. Philip says, can I help it if she likes older men? <laughs> and Amanda says, I know it would have been nice. Amanda says, Philip, let your brother have the tie. Philip says, oh, mom. And then Amanda says, no arguments. You can wear that nice blue striped tie. As for Andrea Densmore, you'll have to work that one out on uh, that one out yourselves. Philip reluctantly <laughs> relinquishes the tie to Jamie as they start out of, of the kitchen. Philip says she probably likes blue better. And then Jamie says, does not. <laughs> and they're gone. Amanda turns her attention back to the phone. Amanda says, sorry about that. And then Lee keeps going and says, that's okay. What about the papers? I only got a quick look at them, but it was enough to see that they had to do with the agency operations in Eastern Europe. I had to protect them somehow. He goes, pretty risky handing them off like that, though I'd done this. I'd have done the same thing in your place. And she says, as I recall, you did do the same thing about four years ago. It's funny. He was actually wearing a red hat, which he wasn't. But if this has anything to do with Trojan horse, it's imperative we get those papers back and fast. She says, I know. So I told him to meet me with them and meet me with them at nine o'clock. I'll pick you up at the airport at 1030. So they kept a good chunk of that, but obviously they interjected a lot of uh, personal stuff in there. They didn't really change a lot, except when Amanda's telling him that he didn't have the papers when she found, when she met up with him again, Mm -hmm. she says, I didn't like it either, but I ran a quick check on Brian. He grew up in Ohio. He was an Eagle scout and he's got a 3.8 GPA. He seems like a nice kid. He even started to ask me about working for the agency. And Lee says, I don't know. There's something odd about all this. It's it's, she says deja vu. And he goes, exactly. We've been here before. Four years ago, I ran up to a lady wearing pajamas and a raincoat, handed her a package and told her to find a man in a red hat. Something, and then Lee says, yeah, one of my sources arranges the transfer of some important information. You see enough to know it concerns our Eastern European operations. Someone else is interested, so give the the papers to an Eagle Scout from Ohio for safekeeping, and now he's going to give them back. So why is the hair on the back of my neck standing up? And Amanda's not listening. She's intent on the rear room mirror and says, Lee, I think we've picked up a tail. So again, Things happen, but they're a little slightly uh, different, a little skew. She, yeah, she did tell him because he said she says, Brian, he says, oh, Mrs. King, sorry, I've got so much on my mind. I didn't even see you. So I was wondering, like, how he re- knew she was Mrs. King, but she mentioned it to him. I do like the fact that it was in the script. It would have been Lee and Amanda's life and uh, at the agency on the line and not Francine and Lee's. Yeah, I think that goes without saying, but. Well, there's sort of like come as a package deal yeah so yeah even if lee and francine had been the ones to be forced out of the agency mm-hmm. you know amanda would have left as well yeah yeah because he says i might be ending both our careers here when he was talking to her on the phone yeah yeah when amanda says uh remember lee's the one who's saying uh, in this actual film version, he says i wasn't thinking of tiptoeing i was thinking black bag amanda's the one who says that in in the script he he goes, oh, you were a simple little black bag job into the CIA. She goes, it might be the only way. 
Doesn't no. sound like her, does it? And then this is kind of a nice thing. Remember when uh, Billy in the office says, Lee, you're the finest agent I've ever worked with. And I knew the first time you brought Amanda through my door, she had what it takes to keep you alive. You're the best team I've got besides your good friends. He looks away and then back and he says, Billy. And he goes, I've got too much respect for you both to sugarcoat this. And then goes into the fact that he's going to have, they're going to have to resign. That is sweet. Yeah, I like that. So even in the script, though, Lee was going to take the risk. Amanda's talking on the phone. She says, I feel awful letting you take the risk alone. And Lee says, I don't have time to argue. McCaslin's office is in the Alexandria substation. They're, they've got full security, and I'll be locked out of the web in less than an hour. She says, Lee, please. Dr. Smith might want to chuck us out, but we're still a team for at least another hour. He says, forever. Even so, stay put. So even back, even then, before they knew that she wasn't going to be on much at all, they were going to have him do it by himself. And she says, okay, but call me. sweet lines in there. I know. I, that's what, and I feel like we need them because they, we, we didn't get them, very many of them. Yeah. Amanda says, okay, but call me as soon as you're done. And she says, Dr. Smith was wrong, you know. He goes, about what? She goes, it's not Billy Blue Note. It's Little Boy Blue. And Lee says, I'll tell him. I was thinking, no matter how it turns out, this might be what we've needed, a reason to live like normal people. See, this is another reason, like, that whole thing is just, like, it just makes it feel like it's all coming to an end. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, a reason to live like normal people. And Amanda says, why start now? <laughs> be careful. I love you. <laughs> we've never been normal. Why, why do it now? <laughs> According to this, McCaslin's the one who killed price right sergey talks to dan mccaslin killing the woman was unnecessary trisha price was the only one who could link me to the agency corpses have a harder time pointing a finger of guilt and then yeah i think so too i just forgot that i was for the for some reason i was thinking it was sergey that did it but it was actually mccaslin so he is i was thinking he was just like a putz but he's actually just a jerk and really bad guy he is a bad guy. Okay, and then this, remember he said I had to fight like hell. I forget what he said in the film version, but he says, come out, we'll shake hands. Well, you know, when they're in the garage there and crouched down yeah. between the parked cars, Lee says, you set us up, Sergey. And Sergey says, well, of course I did. I had to fight like hell for the raincoat and pajamas. And remember Lee mentioned about raincoat and pajamas. Yeah, I don't really understand that reference. <laughs> Hey, maybe he had to fight to get the information about the raincoat and the pajamas. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking too. I don't know. Or it he just... had to fight to have her be the Trojan horse. Yeah, it seems weird. I don't know. So or to deliver the Trojan horse. In in the tag, it's Amanda saying we need we need to think things over. He goes, but you will be returning to the agency. I've torn up your resignations. And Lee says, we never submitted our resignations. You fired us. She says, sir, we have to consider all our options. Neither of us knows what the future holds. He goes, will a week give you enough time? And Lee says, a month. And Smith says, two weeks. All right, I'll expect to see you in about two weeks. He turns away from them, takes an agitated draw on his cigarette and starts to leave. And then Amanda says, oh, sir, one more thing. She approaches him, takes his hand and smiling sweetly, drops the white pawn into it checkmate sir see can't you see that being the end of us like, yes totally of the series or the of the season or something like it feels like an ending yep but there's one little bit left guys so he smiles like he's he may be sick and leaves billy f- 
favors her with a smile and follows. Lee surveys the room as though for the first time. And Amanda says, what are you thinking? He goes, I don't know. These past few days have been interesting. And Amanda says, yeah, they have been interesting. Lee says, I mean, it made me realize something regarding the Kubro. He says, all this, the agency, the spy game means a lot to me. But there's only one thing that really matters. He kisses her. Freeze frame, fade out. See, I rest my case. All those exhibits I provided, that is why I think this was the ending. Yeah, I think I think that's a solid case. Okay, good. Case Respectfully submitted for the last time, Taya Johnston. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Do you guys realize? So I know we pull those reports, but we've had over 25,000 downloads in 27 countries, over five continents. So isn't that crazy? Yep. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Like, yay to us. Everybody pat yourself on the back. That was pretty cool. We, I never would have thought. You I know. know. Five years ago. That's crazy. What we were getting into, but look at what we were doing. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it is. Great accomplishment. It's time for one final Dottie's bookshelf. It's been a long road, but Dottie's provided us with a couple fanfic stories that tie into our final episode of the series, suitable for framing. Dottie's first recommendation is Less Than an Hour by Sieg. This story was written in September 2000 and has about 600 words. Lee and Amanda use their time wisely and spend some brief quality time together before Lee is picked up by Billy. Dottie's second and absolute final recommendation of the series is Hot Tonight by Lainey Sullivan. This M-rated story was written in August 2014 and has about 2,000 words. Amanda hurries over to Lee's apartment so they can make the most of their time before Lee has to go on his trip to New York. For those of you that have read the stories Dottie's recommended over the course of the, this podcast, we thank you and hope that you've enjoyed them as much as we have bringing them to you. That's all from Dottie. It's time for her to go soak in a hot tub with her newest steamy romance novel. It's time to pull out some videos from the video vault that reflect Season 4 episode suitable for framing. We have selected three videos to celebrate the end of this wonderful series, even though it is bittersweet for sure. The first video was created by Love SNK and is based on the song Time of Our Lives by Tyrone Wells. This video is set in an alternate universe storyline a few years after the show, with Lee and Amanda retired and reminiscing about all the memories of their lives over the years as Scarecrow Mrs. King. The second song is the story by Brandy Carlisle with clips from the series put together by Elia G. And this is a great song for the series, uh, just the lyrics of the song, if you guys listen to it. It's just, it definitely has been a, a story for them. And the, the stories where we found all those poignant memories and fun and craziness of Lee and Amanda. So I really do like that song for this one. The third and final video is set to perhaps the best song to sum up a unicorn of an 80s TV show called Scarecrow Mrs. King. The song is These Are the Days by 10,000 Maniacs. And first, if you listen to the lyrics, I feel like Kate and Bruce probably look back on their time on the show as glory days. Additional hats off to Bruce Springsteen for another song that would be great to dedicate. And second, this video is packed with a lot of good behind-the-scenes cuts of Bruce and Kate. And the creativity of this video goes to TJS and K LVR. So... 
Thanks, Taya, for all your hard work on this podcast and all your videos and fan fiction. These videos can be found by searching YouTube. And as always, we have provided links on our website at mkcpodcast.com. That was nice. Those are, those are, I'll have to check those out. That sounds good. Those, the first two, obviously, I've already known the other one. <laughs> but uh, I, I didn't, yeah. that, that AU one sounds interesting. I don't think I've seen that one. They're all very sweet. Uh, and the lyrics are, are totally, I don't know, appropriate and poignant. Yeah. In fact, when I listen to some of them, I, I almost, I don't know, get tears in my eyes a little bit because just, I don't know. It's the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the, the four years and all the fun scenes and antics and, mm-hmm. you know, laughter, but also angst. And yeah, all yeah. And all that. It's just very sweet. So. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to try and get through this without uh, tearing up or anything. So don't make fun of me. (laughs) That's it for this episode, Suitable for Framing. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. It was bittersweet for us, something we couldn't wait for and at the same time dreaded. This podcast has been a part of us for more than five years. And it's, it's been exciting, challenging, exhausting, frustrating, but most importantly, a joy to do. Our friendships are stronger. Our love for the show has been enriched. And we have the knowledge that we can do whatever we put our minds to. We've got a lot of people to thank for seeing us through this journey. First, we'd like to thank the creators of Scarecrow Mrs. King, Eugenie Ross Lemming, and Brad Buckner. None of this would have been possible if they hadn't come up with such a wonderful show. Uh, Special thanks to the cast, Kate Jackson, Bruce Boxleitner, Beverly Garland, Mel Stewart, Martha Smith, Paul Stout, and Greg Morton. It wouldn't have been the amazing show it was without you all. Many of you have been very supportive of this podcast by recording bumpers, doing interviews, and the kind words of appreciation for what we've done. A special thanks to our favorite guest and friend who joined us for every season, Greg Morton. You are an official member of the MKC Zoo always and forever. Thanks for all the guest stars of the series. We enjoyed learning more about your incredible and interesting careers and our guest spotlights. To our families who have put up with our demanding schedules gone without us for so many hours during family time so that we could put this show together and listen to us gush over the positive feedback we've received, our excitement of landing an interview and even listening to us complain about our technical issues. And there were plenty through it all. You've supported us because you knew how important it was to us. Thank you to our listeners, whether you've been with us from the first episode, horrible sound and all, or if you've joined us along the way, we appreciate all the love and support you've given us. We did it for you as much as for us. Finally, I want to personally thank my friends and partners in crime, Lexi Fema, Jen Peterson, and Miranda Thomas. I never would have done the po- this podcast if when I told you about the idea and asked you to join me, you would have told me it was stupid or impossible. But instead, you jumped at the chance and shared my enthusiasm. We've shared so many stories, so much passion for the show, and way too many laughs to count. Always know I'll be there for you if you come up with a crazy idea that will take way too much time and take way too much money and cause me to go gray. I love you all dearly. That's it for the ladies of MKC. Signing off for the last time. Bye. 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 Bye Bye-bye. I wouldn't have wanted to do this with anybody else but you guys. Yep, yep. You guys made it a lot of fun. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, I love you. Love you, too.